And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Welcome to this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. This program is dedicated to going out to the highways and hedges and compelling people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Join your host, Tony Miano, and his team of street fishermen as they find people on the streets with whom to share the gospel. No scripts, no planning, no preparation. Just impromptu gospel conversations with random people out there in a world in desperate need of the Savior. So, until the nets are full, let's go fishing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be, wherever you may find yourself. This is your host of the Street Fishing Podcast, Tony Miano. Welcome to another edition of the program. Uh, today we're going to do things a little bit differently in that I'm the one who's actually doing the street fishing. Uh, as you've heard in the first couple of episodes of the podcast, I've had Bart McCurdy out on the streets in Redding, California, finding someone to put on the phone with me so I can communicate the gospel to them. And of course, that is the premise of the program. But from time to time, I'm going to play for you uh, an audio of one of the many encounters, uh, almost daily encounters, I have on the streets engaging people in gospel conversations. One of the ways I go about doing that is something I call crosswalking. Uh, if you've been following my ministry for any length of time, if we're friends on Facebook or follow each other on Twitter, uh, no doubt you've seen uh, pictures of me and stories of me standing on street corners in my community and elsewhere holding a large wooden cross that says on the crossbeam, stop and talk. Uh, that is one of my primary forms of ministry these days, and uh, the Lord is, at the time, choosing to really bless it, I think. Uh, I've been crosswalking now for about 11 years. Uh, started that aspect of ministry back in 2009 in Southern California. And at the time, I was carrying a cross that said, Are you ready? And people would drive by, stop at the light, and say, Ready for what? And I would say something like, Ready to stand before God to give an account for your life. Ready for eternity. And uh, sometimes people would stop and talk about those, uh, those things. And I had some wonderful conversations as a result. Well, several years ago, uh, I changed the wording on my crossbeam to stop and talk, and that has so positively impacted this aspect of ministry because I believe it's generating far more conversations. And uh, not only what I put on the crossbeam is helping to generate conversations, but the regularity with which I am now doing crosswalking in my community, uh, it is not uncommon at all for people to stop and talk to me and say, hey, I... I see you on the streets all the time, and today was the day for me to stop and talk. And so that is, uh, uh, that's what I was doing on this particular day uh, when I met a young man named Joshua. Uh, I was crosswalking at the corner of Harrison and Locust, a busy intersection in my community, Davenport, Iowa. And, uh, uh, and, while I'm standing there holding my cross, waving at passing motorists, I hear a voice from behind me say, Hey, brother! And I turned around to see a smiling, heavily tattooed young man walking toward me with a bottle of water. 
And uh, that young man's name was and is Joshua. So I'd like to play for you the audio of that conversation. There is some background noise. Uh, again, this is out on the streets. There's a lot of passing traffic, wind noise, and what have you. And uh, so I did my best to minimize some of that, but it is what it is. Uh, picture yourself standing next to me on a busy street corner and how sometimes it's difficult to hear a person standing right next to you, let alone an audio. But but you can hear. Uh, you certainly can hear me. And uh, if you listen closely uh, without straining, uh, you will be able to hear Joshua as well. Uh, this is a remarkable conversation for many reasons. And uh, once you've listened to the conversation, I'll come back and we'll uh, do a brief chalk talk as to uh, some of the particulars of what I learned about Joshua in the conversation and how I determined to minister to him on that stream corner. So with that, here's my conversation with Joshua. Hey, how are you? Good. My name's Tony. Just want to say I salute you. My oh, thanks. Josh, I'll thank you. Thank you, Josh. Brother. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a fellow believer, you know what I'm saying? But I salute you for standing out here like this, you know what I mean? So how did you come to faith in Christ, Josh? Oh, man. I've been calling on his name since I was a little boy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, but in the, last, in the last couple months, it's got real. You know what I mean? Why is that? He's just let his presence be made known to me, you know what I mean? And basically telling me... Uh, pick your allegiance and stuff like that and I got family members that are like enemies over it it's crazy (laughs) so you grew up in the church no no I but I grew up reading the bible and and being a believer you know what I'm saying come let us reason together yeah you know what I mean though your sins are like scarlet they'll be made whiter than snow and I tell you I'm I'm, I'm doing really really good and he's letting his presence be made known to me the only problem I that I have that I'll you know that I'll confess to you is sometimes looking at certain things on my phone and the hotter the weather gets when girls their clothes start coming off you know what i mean i struggle with that lust thing yeah but you know i put it in his hands and i know i'm forgiven and all that like i, I could show you things on my phone amazing things where he has just let his presence be made known to me you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that he's in a covenant with me and everyone else that you know truly in sincerity believes in him that he died on the cross and whatnot yeah and that, you know what i mean so how do you go about sharing your faith basically uh i for a little while there, I was just going up to people, and, like in the gas stations and stuff uh-huh. like that, and I'd be like, I'm supposed to tell you that you're supposed to get a Bible and read the, the Gospel of John. You know, okay. some people would take, some people would look at me like I was crazy or whatnot, but... Yeah, care. they don't expect that every day, probably, but... Right, but the, the Messiah is real, you know what I'm yeah. saying? This is real, you know? So, so, Josh, if you and I didn't just meet here on the corner... Right. And you know, we had been good friends for a long time, I'm guessing I'm probably old enough to be your dad, I'm thinking... I'm no, fi- I'm, I'm almost 40. I'm oh, you really? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Well, you hide it well. Okay. Yeah, well, thank so, you. So, <laughs> that's a blessing, but sure. it's all genetic. So, <laughs> so let's say we've, we've known each other for a while, and I know that you're a Christian. Right. And you know that I'm not, hypothetically. You right. know that I'm not. Right. And I come to you one day, and I say, you know, Josh, uh, I feel good. I'm not in the best of shape, but I, I feel fine. But I just went to the doctor, and they're telling me now I've got only a few months to live. Right. And you claim to know God. You claim to know what's going to happen next. Well, now all of a sudden I'm scared. Right. So what's going to happen to me? When you die? What would you say to me? How would you communicate the gospel to me? And you didn't believe? Uh, Yeah, I'm not a believer. I would say you're going to be, you know, you're going to be facing whatever. It's appointed all men to die once, you know, and then comes the judgment. You're going to want to go into this with the blood of Christ on you. You're going to want to put your faith in him to save you. You know, and I'd say this is real. Yeah. This is 100% real. You know, I've been 
that's that's what I would tell that yeah. person. And and, and and I would say, and I love you, and I care about you, and I don't want to see you, I don't want to see you perish, man. You yeah, know what I mean, amen. that's what's happening. To sure. People, you know. And and so if I were to ask you, again, this is all just hypothetical kind of role playing. Right. If I were to ask you, well, why, why do I need the blood of Jesus? I mean, I, I'm a good. I, you know me. I mean, nobody's perfect. I know you're not. Right. I'm not. You need the blood of Jesus. Okay, but why? Why do I need the blood of Jesus? I'm a good person. I'm, I don't cheat on my wife. I pay my taxes. Because even even our best goodness is still as filthy rags before His eyes, and we're all sinners. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And you you have to have that blood so that whenever you enter into death, or whenever you first believe, and He looks at you, He sees that life that He lived instead of that life we live down here. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what. So, these these struggles with your phone is it because you have internet on your phone? Yeah, I got internet on my phone, and sometimes you know I've been getting into it with my fiance. I try to, I got into it with my mom today because I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to tell her that I don't feel like this world has that much time left. That's what I'm trying to tell my fiance, and my fiance is like, you can't judge my relationship with God and this and that. And it's like, well, how come you don't ever want to talk about it? You know what I mean? If you you say you believe in God and stuff like that. And this is our house. How come when I talk about him, you call me weird? I try to read the Bible, but you tell me you have a relationship with him. It just doesn't make sense. It says, you know, no one lights a, a lamp and puts it under a, a bushel. Yeah. You know? So and I it, know you can't force God on people. You know no, I mean? no. And that's but what if, my mom was saying. But, like, but friends warn their friends when their friends are in danger. Right. And that's, what, that's all I'm trying to do. I've been yeah. trying to tell my brothers. You know what I mean? Just everybody. A lot of people think... Like, Sorry. You know, oh, he's crazy. Or yeah. Whatever. I don't care anymore. So do you need do you need the internet on your phone for work or something like that? Or no, I need to get it off. My get phone. rid of the internet yeah. so that I don't right? run to just, that in a weak moment. Or right. You like you that. don't have to have internet access on your phone. Just have text and right and and the ability to make calls. If if you don't no, need I'm it, do that off if you don't of, need it, get me. rid of it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Off right. of what you t- I'm gonna get one of those little flip phones. So since we're now tight and we've known each other for five minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Your relationship with your fiance pure? Um, you mean pure as in sexual or whatnot? Yeah. Well, not really. No, I don't think it is because you know I. I well, you would her, know. Well, I told Josh, her that I, it's not a maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You would know. Well, I kind of. If I, kinda, I got into this with my mom today. I okay. said I feel like God. She said, "No, you need to you need to be married to make things right." And I said, "Well." I feel like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just okay. trying to justify my own stuff, like my mom said. Okay. I said I feel like God. You know, whoever you're last sexually with, he considers that to be your wife in his eyes because the two are combined as one. But, I, you know. No. Yeah, you got to be married. Right. right. To, to, yeah. to so what do you think is more important, Josh? What you believe or whether or not what you believe is true? Whether or not what you believe is true. Right. It doesn't matter what you believe about your relationship with your fiance. Right. What matters is what's true. Right. Right. And God has called one man to be with one woman for life. Right. And... We and, have a baby now. You know, well, you know. look, I, I'm glad you have a baby, and I'm glad you kept your baby. And, right. and I mean, I spend a lot of time outside of abortuaries, and there are a lot of people who profess faith in Christ and have fish stickers on and church stickers on their bumper as they're going in to murder their kids. Right. Okay, yeah, so, so. Pra- praise God you yeah. kept your baby. But the fact that you have a baby right. doesn't change the fact that at the moment you're practicing adultery. Right. You're a fornicator. Right. And the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 6... That no fornicator will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. Right. That's verses six. That's verses um, nine and ten. Verse eleven says, "But such were some of you, right. but you were washed, you were cleansed." Right. Uh, the word of God says in in Hebrews ten, "Those who go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
for them there is no longer an expectation of forgiveness but a terrifying expectation of judgment right right i don't want that okay i don't want that at all because i know he's real you so, know what I so mean? Now, now look neither you or i are ever going to be perfect this side of heaven right 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 okay that doesn't but that doesn't give us a license to sin right and jesus said if you love me you will keep my commands Right. Jesus said, whoever looks upon a woman to lust right. after her has already committed adultery with her in his, in heart. his heart. Right? Yeah. You're, you're with a woman that you're not married to, and you're engaged in an adulterous relationship, and you're committing fornication. Right. God sees you as an adulterer at heart. You right. need to repent of that. Right. right. First for the love of Christ, right. but for the love of your fiance. Okay. You're making her an adulteress. I, you know, when, I, when this first came up, I told her that. I said, we got to get married. I said, I can't. And I went and I held out for like two months. And she said, well, you know, I need need sex or whatever. And I said, it's not right in his eyes, though. And then I, that's when I went online and I looked that up. And I, I found all these people, I guess I was making an excuse, you know, saying that if, if you were whoever you were last with, you're married in the eyes of God. So I said, well, I'll go off of this. But I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, right. You I knew. knew. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and your fiancé saying that I need sex right. and and willing to have you compromise your faith right. shows that for her sex is an idol right she actually loves that more than she loves God or you right but I, look no I agree I, I totally agree I, I'm not your judge man I know you're I know. not going to stand before me yeah I know right that. right but you profess faith in Christ I do right and yeah. if you are my brother in Christ then I have to love you enough to tell me to talk to you as my brother in Christ right Right. Definitely. So, yeah, so I appreciate that. So repent of these sins. Look, if if you're, if I mean, get out of the house, get out of the apartment, get out of wherever you are. Just like your phone, take the internet internet off your phone. He said, if you got to, cut off your hand. You know. Right. Right. What so what he meant was do whatever you have to do to get. Yeah. And 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 purify this relationship with her, not to earn God's love, not to keep God's love, but as a fruit of the salvation you claim to have. Right. right? No, you're right. You, you, look. I, I, I can't I can't uh, I can't say I love Jesus while I punch you in the nose right because then I'm, I'm a murderer at heart right while I'm saying that I love Jesus it's like a song I just heard he said what's the sense in preaching in public if you send it in private right you know what I mean sure yeah, yeah. And, and you know what Josh everything I've said to you you already know is true I know you already know it yeah I know I just said okay. <laughs> so put come to it so put Christ first but Christ if Christ isn't before your fiance your marriage is never going to bring him glory right Christ has to be first right. in every area of our lives that's a day-to-day -day challenge and, and look I haven't lived a perfect day in my life right but the desire of our heart ought to be to please Christ first right and not ourselves it is but I can see the other things have been getting in the way you know what I mean sure and then and he's just amazing He's everywhere. He knows what we're doing. Right. He knows what we're going there to do. There are no secrets. We, there is none. Everything is open before his eyes. Even when I go into stores and I start, you know, kind of lusting, things will just pop up where it's like, I'm watching you. You better, you know what I mean? Not in a bad way, but like, who are you, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to, you know, who's your heart for? Right. You know, so. Yeah. But I, I love you, man. God bless you. God bless you. When, when, do you have plans as to when you're getting married or? No. Not we yet? We haven't set a date yet. And she's, you know, I had to come confessed to some stuff here a little while ago mm -hmm. when all this stuff kicked off um, you know about unfaithfulness and stuff like that and she's saying 
possibly not not wanting to marry me anymore, but doesn't want to split apart and just wants to keep living like this. It's just crazy, man. So, one more thing I want to encourage you with. Right. Okay? Jesus said to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that, that church was messed up. Right. There are believers certainly in the church, but there are men sleeping with female relatives or... They're, they're practicing gluttony at the Lord's table. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a mess. And he says to them, examine yourself. Test yourself to see if you are even in the faith. Right. Okay. And again, I'm not your Holy Spirit. Right. I'm not your judge. You're not going to stand before me. You don't have to prove your salvation to me. Right. Okay? Prove it to him. Work it out with fear and trembling. And so if you're... If you're struggling with your phone, if you're struggling with going in the quick shop, if if uh, if you're not being able to keep your 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 body or your fiance body pure, ought you not be examining yourself to see if you are even in the faith? Yeah. And again, turning all of that around doesn't make you a believer. Right. Right. We're not saved by works; we're saved by grace. Right. But. But living a life that is pleasing to Him will be a fruit of that, of genuine salvation. Right. And and if you're struggling sexually in all of these different ways, Josh, you ought to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Right. Okay. And either way, whether you're saved now or not, cry out to Him in repentance and faith. Right. Look to the cross. Look to Christ. Definitely. Turn to Christ and live. Yeah, I know, brother. Okay, because your fiance and your phone and the girl who might look nice in Quick Shop isn't worth your soul. No. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but yet forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Right. There's don't you can give don't play the game, man. Right. No, you're right. You're 100% right, brother. And I love you and thank you for talking to me. I was meant to talk to you on this phone. I believe that. I believe in God's providence. Right. And everything I say to you, right, while, while look, I, I sin every day. Right. I don't, boast in, do. I don't boast in that. Right. But everything I say to you as far as walking in holiness, I've got to say to me too. Right. No. I, right? Yeah. But the point is I've got a younger man standing here in front of me who's professing faith in Jesus Christ while telling me that his life does not look like a man who's professing faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Things that I haven't wanted to examine from the outside in. So examine yourself, man. Alright. I will. Yahweh bless you, brother. God bless you. You know what I'm saying? I'm really thank you so much for the water. That's yeah, yeah. that is a that's a dear blessing to me. Yes, and sir. and I know it's God's providence that we had the conversation. Yes, sir. I'm gonna be praying for you today. See you in the kingdom, brother. Alright, God bless you, Josh. Bless thank you. Brother. Thanks for stopping, man. I appreciate it. God bless you. All right. Well, there's my conversation with Joshua. What did you think? Uh, there is so much to cover, I think, in this conversation with this uh, this young man. Uh, very early in the conversation, I asked Joshua uh, how he came to faith in Christ. 
And his answer was, oh, I've been calling on his name since I was a little boy. Now, I ask almost everybody I talk to, at least those who profess faith in Christ, certainly, uh, and it is frequently the case that someone I talk to professes to have some kind of spiritual background, uh, some kind of Christian faith. And so whenever someone indicates to me that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, one of the first things I ask them is for their testimony. I want to hear from them in their own words, out of their own mouth, how they came to repentance and faith in Christ. Now, you've probably heard it said uh, before that as Christians, we are fruit inspectors, trying to inspect the fruit in one another's lives uh, to see if that is indeed good fruit uh, coming from a, a good vine, a good tree. And uh, certainly, we may not get it right all the time. A person's salvation is not uh, determined or contingent upon whether or not we personally believe they are saved. Uh, a person is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not grace through faith in Jesus Christ so long as they can pass Tony's test. Uh, salvation is by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, and God doesn't need my help to save or keep any of his people. But yet, when we're communicating with people, when we're talking to people, when we're establishing relationships with people, when if uh, you're a man serving as an elder or a pastor, you're talking to people who are thinking about becoming members of your church, and you want to know, hey, is the person sitting or standing in front of me actually a follower of Jesus Christ? Are they a genuine believer? Are they a false convert? Are they a practitioner? of the Christian faith, or are they a pretender? And so I do the same thing out on the streets when I talk to people who profess faith in Christ. I, I want to discern to the extent that I am able if the person standing or sitting in front of me is a brother or sister in Christ. And at the same time, I want to do that in such a way that I don't, uh, I, I don't damage good fruit. Um, that uh, in trying to root out weeds out of gar God's harvest, I don't unintentionally ja uh, damage actual wheat, uh, damage those who are genuinely followers of Jesus Christ by doing or saying anything that might cause them to question a genuine salvation they actually have. And so one of the ways I try to go about doing all of that is by... Uh, asking a person for their testimony. And when I asked Joshua how he came to uh, faith in Jesus Christ, all he said was, I've been calling on his name since I was a little boy. Well, that's not much of a testimony. Now, could it be that Joshua uh, came to genuine repentance and faith as a young child? Yes, of course. A person can come to genuine repentance and faith in Christ at a very early age, and be soundly saved. Of course, I think we need to be careful with young children to make sure that they do understand what the gospel is, that they do understand what repentance and faith in Jesus Christ are. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not creating false converts with our children because we are so eager, so urgent, so committed 
to raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, so wanting our children to be born-again followers of Jesus Christ that we somehow uh, coerce them into a profession of faith. Uh, and so here we have Joshua who says, I've been calling on his name since I was a little boy. That was the extent of his testimony. Uh, and then he adds, but in the last couple of months, it's gotten real. And never really determined what that meant, uh, as you, I'm sure, heard in the conversation. Because things kind of went downhill after that. Uh, Joshua says, I'm doing really, really good. And he, Christ, has been making his presence known to me. And then with his next breath, he confesses what a difficult time he has in the summer when girls are, ladies are wearing fewer clothes because of the hot temperatures and, and how he has a tendency to lust uh, after women. And, and then he says, I know I'm forgiven and all that. It came across to me as very casual, very flippant, no apparent brokenness over the sin. Very much a worldly sorrow that leads to death is the way it sounded to me. So, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be lusting after women, but I know I'm forgiven for all of that. Uh, and uh, as we continued to speak, and I tried to take Joshua through that role-playing scenario that you've likely heard me do before, and uh, in fact, in the last episode with uh, Marla out there in Redding, California, I asked Joshua to communicate the gospel to me. And Joshua has uh, a better than average familiarity with scripture, it seemed. He even had a basic understanding of the imputed righteousness of Christ, how for the follower of Jesus Christ, for God's elect, for those who are born again, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed onto uh, the believer, onto the Christian. And when uh, the Christian stands before God, God does not see the filthy garments of his or her sin. He instead sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So he even had an understanding of imputed uh, righteousness. Yet, though, however, uh, Joshua continues to confess sin. And not that lusting after women at the quick shop isn't bad, and certainly enough to warrant damnation and hell for all eternity, but Joshua's confession goes from bad to worst. And he, and he adds in the midst of that, basically staring at the splinter in his fiancé's eye while ignoring the logs in his own. Josh, I would ask Josh point blank if his relationship with his fiance was pure. And of course he said no. I, I thought to ask that question because uh, during uh, an earlier part of the conversation, when he mentions his fiance, he mentions our house. So that was an indication to me that the two are uh, sharing a home, that the two are living together. And so that's why I asked him the question, is your relationship with your fiance pure and he admitted that it wasn't so now we have joshua confessing to looking with lust uh, he also in the midst of that time confessed to struggling with what he's looking at on his phone so no doubt he has an issue with pornography uh, he's fornicating with his fiance he's in an adulterous relationship with his fiance and he's calling her to account because she never wants to talk about jesus and she may not even be saved 
herself. So while he's looking at the splinter in his fiance's eye, he's ignoring the logs in his own eye and further ignores that log trying, although poorly, trying to justify his fornication and adultery uh, with this notion that, hey, whoever you have intercourse with last, well, that's your wife in God's eyes. And uh, But he couldn't. He even, his, even in his own mind, while he was ignoring his conscience, it still seemed to be working somewhat. And uh, during the conversation, uh, I cite to Joshua, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Let me read those verses to you. God's word says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And the point I was making to Joshua there by citing that verse is, uh, while no Christian lives a perfect life, their life is a reflection of the grace and mercy and love of God in them. God is, uh, by causing them to be born again, they, he has given them a new heart with new desires. Uh, the fornication and the adultery and the looking with lust they once desired, uh, more than anything else maybe, depending on the person, uh, is not who they are anymore. Uh, they no longer want to sin against God in that way. They no longer want to sin against God in any way. Someone who God has caused to be born again to a living hope through faith in Jesus Christ not only has a new relationship with him, but they have a new relationship with their sin. They now hate the things they once loved, they now love the things they once hate. They now hate the things that they once loved, namely their own sin. They now love the things they once hated, namely living in love and obedience and submission to God and his word. And again, while none of us have ever lived a perfect day in our life, and um, we have been given by God through the Holy Spirit everything we need to live a life that is pleasing to him. And Jesus said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That is God's standard for goodness. We find that in Matthew 5, 48. That is God's standard for goodness, moral perfection. And we have been washed. We have been, we have been cleansed. Uh, we are no longer as people who are now followers of Jesus Christ. We are no longer who we once were. Not only has the stain of sin been removed from our lives through the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ, through his glorious sacrifice and, and uh, resurrection, not only has the stain of sin been removed, but the power of sin in our lives has also been removed because we now have the Holy Spirit of God, the helper sent to us by Jesus Christ himself, indwelling in us, empowering us. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is we are still at war with this 
sinful flesh. Uh, we still live in this flesh. Yes, he has given us a new heart with new desires and the sanctification uh, that begins at conversion continues throughout the course of our life and will be completed on the day of Christ Jesus, will be completed when we are uh, glorified and with him forever. But in the meantime, the battle rages on. A genuine follower of Jesus Christ is going to be actively engaged in that battle, fighting against uh, the sin he once loved and now and now hates. Uh, I also cited to I also cited to Joshua uh, Hebrews chapter ten, Hebrews chapter ten, uh, beginning in verse twenty six. God's word tells us this: For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It seemed that Joshua was going on and sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, so willful to the point that trying to uh, appease uh, his own conscience by by making up things he knows aren't true, this false notion that whoever you had intercourse last uh, with last is uh, your wife. And so he's uh, in this relationship with a woman who he calls a fiance. He confesses to cheating on her as well. And so by that false standard that Joshua tried to put together in his own mind, it's not even his fiance who's his wife, but the girl with whom he's cheating against his fiance, who's actually his wife. Well, none of that is true. He's simply engaging in fornication and adulterous relationships, multiple ones uh, at that. And so toward the end of the conversation, I explained to, to Joshua, 2 Corinthians thirteen five, where Paul says that, and he's talking to Christians, talking to the church of Corinth, that they should examine themselves and test themselves to see if they are even in the faith. And that was my encouragement to, uh, encouragement to Joshua was that he should examine himself and test himself to see if he is even in the faith. Now, uh, when Joshua said goodbye, I really had no confidence that he was going to do that. It seemed to me that he was holding on to this idea that he's a genuine follower of Jesus Christ while uh, committing all of these sins at, at will. So, my takeaway from the conversation, in part, uh, on a personal level, as I've listened to the conversation now a, a few times, uh, there is something, something in my tactics with Joshua that I have to be careful about. Uh, I have to be careful in my conversations with unbelievers while I'm pressing upon them the reality of their sin, uh, the reality of sin and righteousness and judgment, the very things uh, with which the Holy Spirit will convict uh, people, 
leading them into all truth. When I'm doing that and the conversation gets hard and the conversation gets difficult, you know, it, it may even seem at times that I'm piling on uh, as I talk to the person about their sin. I have to be very careful not to let them up from the mat, not to let them off the hook. And a way that I can do that is by pointing out my own sin. Uh, you heard me talk about it uh, in the conversation with Joshua. Hey, I I'm not your judge. I'm not your Holy Spirit. Uh, you're not going to stand before me someday to give an account. Look, I sin every day. I struggle with sin too. All these things are true. But I have to be careful in communicating that, that I am that I am not inadvertently trying to undermine maybe the work of the Holy Spirit that's bringing conviction upon this person by letting them off the hook and saying, hey, you know, I sin too. Uh, I'm not saying that we should never communicate that, um, but I, I know in my own ministry, in my own communication with people, and my own tendency, quite frankly, to want to be a people pleaser and to want people to like me, that I can mistakenly sometimes let people off the mat uh, instead of pressing it farther until they tap out, <laughs> in a sense, and repent. Now, look, we can't force repentance on somebody. Um, if we do that, we're simply creating worldly sorrow that leads to death, not uh, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But at the same time, you know, if uh, if there is a conviction in the person over their sin, um, you know, we, we shouldn't mistakenly let them off the hook, so to speak, by joining them in that place, in a sense. Hey, we're all, in a sense, we're all in this together. We're all sinners. You know, much of uh, American evangelicalism does just that. Really, people don't mind if you remind them that they're a sinner. Because there are enough churches in America that says, hey, we're all sinners. We're all in this together. Kumbaya. We all sin. We all must have, make mistakes. We all have hurts and hang-ups and whatever the third H is in, in that group. And so they walk out of church thinking, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, but, but so is everybody else. But when you press them with the specifics of their sin, lying, stealing, harboring bitterness or resentment in their heart, which God sees as murder, adultery, fornication, that hits a lot closer to home than simply uh, reminding someone of what they already know, that they're a sinner. And so... Um, my personal takeaway from the conversation with Joshua is that I need to continue to be careful uh, not to let people off the mat, not to let people off the hook by joining them in that place of, you know, I'm a sinner too. While it's true um, and while it's not just arbitrarily inappropriate to confess to your own sin, we have to be careful. I have to be careful that I'm not uh, inadvertently, unintentionally helping them to make light of their own sin by telling them I'm a sinner too. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's useful in some way. Hey, be praying for Joshua. Uh, be praying for all the people you hear uh, me talk to on the uh, Street Fishing Podcast. 
and I will look forward to seeing you on the next edition. And until the nets are full, my friends, let's go fishing. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. The Street Fishing Podcast and Tony Miano's daily street evangelism efforts are ministries of Grace Fellowship Church in Davenport, Iowa. Grace Fellowship is a Reformed Baptist church that subscribes to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Visit the church's website at gracefellowshipqc.com. That's gracefellowshipqc.com. And for more information about Tony Miano's street evangelism ministry, including books, articles, videos, and audios, visit crossencountersmen.com. That's crossencountersmin.com. Until next time, and until the nets are full, let's go fishing.